coming in as Loom. Hewitt-Dyke centered it. with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, we are underway this hour. It is Thursday, June 1st. Goodness gracious, June already. Welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com. Calm. Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson of Post Media along with you. We're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, Wes? How we doing? It's it's June. It's draft month. Crazy, isn't it? It's hard to wrap your head around that here we are. But there's only, there's seven more, at most, seven more games to go this season. And then all eyes on the draft. And then after that. Uh, free agency and the rest of the offseason and what should be a very interesting one for the Calgary Flames. You said at most seven. Let's hear your prediction. I haven't decided yet. I'm not I'm not sure where I'm at yet. Okay. That. I've still got time. Do you want me to maybe call the league office and see if you, you can get a bit of a buffer? Maybe start on Monday or Tuesday? Yeah, you know what? If I could get a couple of games in <laughs> and then make my decision, I'd really like that. Uh, I think... It's so hard to bet against Florida. It really is. Yeah. Has anybody chosen Florida in any of their series as of yet? Not many. Maybe against Carolina people yeah. started to. I don't think I've done one prediction yet this off. So thank goodness, because I'm always the worst at it. Um, I'll say Vegas in six, though. Yeah, I, I'm kind of leaning the same way. I, I think the Florida Panthers have been a, a really fun underdog story. And I I just worry, if that's the right word for it, about the amount of a break that they're going in with. Like you would have liked, I think that last series to stretch out a little when you're a team that's just sort of red hot. I'm not sure you want this amount of time off, Yep. but it'd be cool to see Florida finish it. I think, but I, I would probably bet on Vegas and a pretty cool local story there too, with what Aiden Hill's doing Very between the so. pipes. Former Canuck. Um and Taylor chose Florida over Toronto in round two. So just wanted to give some credit where it's due to one of our uh, outstanding producers. Well done, Taylor. I I can't. I'm be impressed. Right or, I can't be right or wrong. Um, I wanted to spend a little time talking about Flames goaltending and what this off season might look like between the pipes. And look, it's been one of the interesting areas we've been talking about, even going down the stretch when they were still playing, because we were talking about Dustin Wolf, if when he's going to make his debut, then when Calgary was officially eliminated after game 81, uh, we, we found out that Dustin was going to play their se- season finale. Uh, he picks up a win. He had such a great year. Then he gets named goalie of the year. A couple days later, he gets named MVP of the league. You're like, okay, now what? how are they going to fit this guy in? How are they going to figure out Dustin Wolf as, uh, as an NHLer? And then last week, new GM Craig Conroy went on with Frank Saravalli on his podcast and 
kind of intimated they need to get Dustin some playing time, and he's earned that opportunity. We asked Frank about Calgary's goaltending situation a little earlier this week. This is uh, Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff. Joined us Tuesdays on Flames Talk and kind of what he sees as the next potential logical steps for the Flames between the pipes. He basically said Dustin Wolf has earned the opportunity to play in the NHL. And, like, I don't think anyone would bat an eye looking at his numbers and looking at his impact in the AHL that that's the case. So the difficulty, or I I think it's a good problem to have, is that he has two NHL goalies already in Vladar and and Markstrom, and we know that Markstrom isn't going anywhere. Mm Mm-hmm. So essentially like you you got to try and move Ladar. And if that's the case, and I think that's an easy thing to do and I think you can get a decent return for him to if you're a believer in Wolf, which I think the Flames are at least if I'm reading between the lines. You've got a nice little piece of capital in Ladar and I think to be abundantly honest like uh, that's what the Flames, they knew that, that there was a possibility when they signed Vladar to that extension. The thought process was, hey, it's great to have some security in our crease, but more than li- more likely than not, this is a guy that we're going to end up trading. Mm-hmm. And so the only downside of it is that you do it after he had a year where his numbers really weren't that good. And, you know, you heard him kind of continually get flogged by, uh, by Daryl Sutter as like someone that he couldn't trust. That 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 part is tough. So that was Frank Saravalli with us earlier this week, our NHL insider. So what happens here? Do they do they make space for Wolf by moving Vladar? Do they put themselves in a situation where maybe they run three goaltenders in some form or another? I'm just curious. Like you hear that? I know you heard the comment Connie made. Um, with with Frank on his podcast as well. Right. What's what's your read on this goaltending situation as we move into the the real busy time when it comes to player personnel moves? I think that the most obvious option is what you suggested that you look for a trade destination for Dan Vladar because Dustin Wolf has essentially proven about all he can at the AHL level in terms of individual accolades, in terms of what his numbers look like, maybe not quite to the point now in in terms of what you hoped for games played before you would promote him. But like, you know, you put Dustin Wolf back with the Calgary Wranglers from October to January, let's say, and and certainly that, that is an outcome we could see, but Mm -hmm. what, what's he got left to do there? I, I don't really think very much. And so to me, looking for a trade destination for Dan Vladar makes the most sense. I think Dan Vladar has a lot of appeal. He He's a talented guy. He's not on a bad contract. He's proven that he, he's not going to be, you know, that, that he's going to be a good teammate and a good backup. I'm not sure he's proven yet that he can be a starter, but there's going to be a team potentially who looks at him and sees that potential. Uh, I, I don't necessarily agree with Frank's synopsis that Daryl was shredding him to the point that it didn't seem like the flames had faith in him. I think we heard that over a year ago. I don't think we heard that this past season. Yeah. Um, 
but I, I think you're exploring the trade market for Dan Vladar. And that's nothing against Dan. I just think Jacob Markstrom and Dustin Wolf is probably your ideal pairing going into this season. It's um it's interesting to me because part of me is like, is there any way that you can keep all three at least to start and make sure that you know that Dustin Wolf is ready? There's a big part of me that's there. But I don't know how realistic that is. And and I think I've been convinced over the last number of months that, I don't know. I still, there's a tough one for me because I really do understand the need to, like Craig Conroy's talked about getting young guys in. And that's a really big priority for him. And he wants to see a younger roster this year and have opportunities for younger players. And, and Wolf would absolutely be one of those guys that you could open up a potential roster spot for. But what if he needs to come along a little bit slower? Like what if you do, what if it's, it, it, what if it's proven to be more ideal that you give him some starts in the American league and some starts in the NHL next year and if that's the ideal road to go down, but you decide not to, and now all of a sudden he's not quite ready, do you risk hurting him by having him in the NHL if he's not quite ready? And I only say that not because I've got any lack of faith in Dustin, but I more so just wonder, look, goaltending is a tough thing to predict, even with a guy as sparkling a resume like Wolf has, making that jump to the NHL and projecting what that jump looks like is is close to a fool's errand. Um, so I just, I get it. And if they were to go down the road of moving Dan Vladar, I would understand it. But if you're asking me, I still think giving yourself a little bit of insurance for next year while still going out of your way to get Wolf some NHL time I still think that's the way to go as much as I know that infuriates a lot of people on the text line. Can't we have it both ways though, in the sense of can't your insurance policy be someone other than Dan Vladar? I I think you have a chance to sell relatively high on Dan Vladar. And I know his numbers weren't outstanding this past season, but you'd be selling high in the sense of what his potential might be. The fact that you've already extended them at a nice number the fact that he has some NHL experience and even a brief stint of, of sort of at least understanding the workload of a starter. I think there there's a potential to sort of strike while the iron's hot and move Dan Vladar and, and probably recoup as much or more than you gave up for him so in they the first gave up place. A third round, third round pick. pick. And so, and then you're, you're fishing in that sort of veteran pool of free agents, guys that could potentially be with the Calgary Wranglers if Dustin Wolf is proving what he what we think he can be at the NHL level. A veteran guy who could potentially come up and back up Jacob Markstrom on a six game road trip so that Dustin Wolf could go down to the Wranglers and get some starts. I think I think you could have those both ways. I think you have, I think it behooves you to explore trade options for Dan Vladar at this point, just because I think there's value there. Uh And quite frankly, I don't know where he projects other than a long-term backup in Calgary. If Dustin Wolf reaches 
that height that you're you think he's going to get to. And so with all due respect to Dan, who's been a, a terrific teammate in Calgary, who's a guy I love chatting with. I think there's some value there, and I think you're going to find teams who might be willing to put him in a platoon situation or something like that. I'd just like to know what the offers are and then insulate Dustin another somebody way. somebody else. Like yeah. You could bring in uh, another, you know, tweener NHL goalie or a guy with NHL experience that, that maybe you do put in the American League. To start. I, I get what you're saying. And look, here's what I understand. As much as I am nervous about that, and and more so because I just don't want to screw up or even enter into the territory of screwing up Dustin Wolf because he's he means that much in my opinion to the organization that I'm kind of being a little I I think I'm being a little overcautious I think I'm kid gloving it a little bit too much or or I think I could be accused of that I don't think I am but I understand if you were to accuse me of kid gloving it a little bit too much or suggesting that. It's only because I have that much, I, I think he's that important to the organization going forward, which is why I'm like, you know, if you were to play, you know, the first half of next season, you know, get some NHL starts, but also start a lot of games in the American League, it might not be the worst thing. And then you can maybe later on in the season start to explore other options. So as much as I believe that is the ideal scenario and kind of a hybrid situation, I don't know if it is realistic, practically speaking. And so I understand that as much as I think that that should be the ideal, practically there might only be two options of making room or not making room. And, and so if there are only two options and you can't be as cautious and um, trepidatious as I am wanting to be, then yeah, I think you probably have a a fairly good road to go down with what you just suggested because I do agree that you could recoup or come close to recouping what you gave up for Vladar and you'd get a little salary cap relief and you'd also open up the door for a guy who is a massive, massive part of this team going forward. So I, I fully understand the reasoning. It just makes me a little bit nervous. That's all. Yeah, I and I get that. I I I think it's important to sort of reward Dustin for what he's done so far and show the faith in him that we think you're ready to be an NHLer. And and I don't know that keeping two established or, or certainly one plus established goaltenders around to sort of block that path makes a ton of sense. If, if Dustin Wolf comes to training camp and, and he's not in a net because Dan Vladar has one and Jacob Markstrom has one, he's kind of thinking to himself, yeah. well, what what more what more do I have to do? And so the kid gloves that you talk about, it's an understandable approach and it's something that if you put a bug on the wall at the Saddle Dome, I'm sure you'd hear it a lot. I know that they have been very cautious or or very cognizant of not encountering what happened with Spencer Knight in Florida, where he here's a guy who was in the National Hockey League right away. The you know the Flames, I think, would tell you that Spencer Knight was starting games as an NHL goalie too soon. And his career has sort of taken a step backward. He he's not even on the bench in these playoff yep. games, right? Alex Leon is backing up Bobrovsky. And they're looking more at 
the UC Saros model, and that's not just because of the height, but UC Saros and give them credit for two pro seasons in Finland, then a full season in the AHL. So three full pro seasons. That I think that's what the Calgary Flames had in mind as an ideal scenario for Dustin Wolf. I just don't know what another season of mostly AHL does for him. Like he just cleaned up every category for goaltenders in the AHL. Not not awards, but stats as well. And not behind a team that was airtight. Listen, the the Calgary Wranglers were a good defensive team, but we're not talking about Dustin Wolf seeing 17 shots a night. That was not the case. And so I just don't know. And I wouldn't have said this four months ago or six months ago, but at this point, I just don't know how Dustin Wolf can't be part of your plan for next season. Read a few texts because it's uh, it, it always gets the text line going. Um, why are we not talking about the potential for a Jacob Markstrom trade? Dustin starter for sure. Vladar backs him up. Can uh, can we dig in on that one for a second? Yeah, because this text also says, should we consider checking the trade market for Markstrom? And, and I think you check it. I, I'm not sure there is a trade market for Jacob Markstrom. And I fully expect Jacob Markstrom to look more like the Jacob Markstrom that we saw in the final couple months of this season. I think we're talking about a guy who started to find his groove after a really tough start. You know, basically a tough two thirds of this season. I I expect Jacob Markstrom to be a really strong goaltender for the Calgary flames next year. But until he shows that he can put what was a struggling season behind him, I don't know that there's a ton of trade market at that value. Well, and then on top of that, you've got a no move clause. Right. And and that's not to say like I, I get it that no move clauses are not always a complete and utter no go, but in this case, because you you're still talking about a guy who who has that and is also not gonna have his highest value ever and still has three years and six million. It just it's another thing that makes your potential to get poor return. It just adds to the potential of that. It, 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 or it hurts your potential to get anything close to the type of return you'd want for a guy like that. And the fact of the matter is, if you go look at the list of UFA goalies, there's not a lot of teams that are going to be shopping for a goalie this summer. Like, there's not a ton of teams who are about to lose their number one guy. Yeah. Yeah, to answer that text, absolutely, you explore it. If if a team calls and says, we're interested in trading for Jacob Markstrom, I think you have that conversation. And yet, I think Jacob Markstrom is a huge part of the plan as it pertains to Dustin Wolf. Yeah. Because Dan Vladar is not a been there, done that guy in the NHL. He's not, Dan Vladar is a good pro, and, and I'm not saying otherwise, but you want Dustin Wolf learning from a guy who's been a workhorse starter in the NHL for as long as Jacob Markstrom has. You want him learning from a guy who's been around, who's been through a lot. I don't know that it helps Dustin Wolf as much as you'd like it to help him if the guy he's sort of trying to emulate or model himself after is another guy who's got very limited experience in the NHL. Uh, this text says, uh, bring him up, let him win the job. This says, remember the da- disaster the last time the Flames kept three goalies? Um, yes. Oh, boy, that I, was 
do something. I don't think they would need to put themselves in that situation because they wouldn't in in my it was Ordeo Ramo Ramo and Hiller, Hiller right? is yeah, that right? I think so. And Bob Hartley was the coach. That sounds right to me. Yeah, that was a train wreck. But I don't think you need to put yourself in that spot because what I'm suggesting is not having Wolf still does not need waivers to 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 go to the American League, right? Ordeo did, and that was the reason whether it was right or wrong, that was the thing that kind of push them to keeping the three goalies on the roster. Whereas in this case, you don't have to worry about that. So you can move Wolf freely between the American League and the NHL and pick his spots. As this text says, you need to kind of emulate the UC Saros situation, which is what they did in Nashville. Um, Milwaukee was or is their farm team and same situation. While Saros didn't need to clear waivers, they could move them in and out and, and give them some spot starts and pick and choose. Uh, this says, why not just give Wolf nine to 10 games in the NHL for him to get the experience and the rest in the AHL? Why the hurry in bringing him up? He's only 22. Goalies aren't exactly the most predictable. I swear to you, I didn't write that text but that text is exactly where i'm at you know maybe from going from zero nhl games first year as a pro to one maybe you go to nine ten or twelve or something like that next year by utilizing that that uc saros model how many games does he have to play in the nhl next year for you to say okay it was fine that he was up full-time like so if the flames say okay we're going with markstrom and dustin wolf how many games does Dustin Wolf have to get in for you to say, okay, he was properly or fairly utilized as a rookie NHLer? Um, I think somewhere in the the ten to fifteen range, I think would be a good next step for him. But you'd want him playing more than that in the minors. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm for saying sure. if he was oh, up full time, okay. If he if he stayed, and I know this is not what you're pushing for, but he's up from October to April, how much does he have to play? I think you'd want that somewhere in the 25 range, personally. Yeah, 25 would would probably feel like a nice number if he was, and 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 maybe he's able to perform and and earn more. You know, yeah, like if he's up for 20, if he's up the entire season and he plays 25 or 26 and watches Jacob Marstrom play. 55 or 56 i do not think that is stunting his development at this point right if he only plays really sparingly and and he's going two and a half or three weeks without getting in that's a problem then you need him in the minors but i really i'm i wasn't here for a long time but now i'm at the point that i just don't know other than keeping him sharp what having them in the AHL is going to do. And I understand there's always, there's always, always, always a risk of bringing a goalie up too soon. We could have the same conversation with Dustin Wolf's 23 because goalies at 23 aren't a sure thing either. Yeah. I just think everything he's shown at the AHL level is he needs a chance. Uh, then this Ben from Tabor says, when's the last time the flames had a goalie on LTIR? They're probably due. Don't trade anyone. Um, uh, and this says flames goalies have been very lucky with being healthy, but injuries might be the natural path for Wolf to get games in. So that's also, um, an interesting, uh, an interesting side note to the whole thing when talking about goaltending. And, and I'll just reiterate what I said earlier. You're not, you're not going with Markstrom Wolf and then, Chechelev as your starter with the Calgary Wranglers. Like you're, you need three good goalies. We know that. 
I'm just not sure if there's a trade market for Dan Vladar at a nice value that you can't go scoop someone off the free agent heap right. that you can kind of depend on in that capacity. Uh, Pat and Wes along with you. This hour of Flames Talk as uh, we continue along on a Thursday. Um, this, uh, this also important to touch on is the Flames have opted to not sign five prospects and uh, they will lose the rights to five former draft picks, four of them from the most recent NHL draft. So here's the deal. If you draft somebody from the Canadian Hockey League, you've got two years to sign them. And if they don't sign by 5 o'clock Eastern on June 1st or 3 o'clock Mountain on June 1st of any given year, then those CHL players two years after being drafted will re-enter the draft. And for European players, they've got four years, same deadline, and those players uh, become unrestricted free agents. So for the Flames... Four players from the 2021 NHL draft have not been signed. Those players are Cole Hawkins, a third-round pick. Uh, so forward Cole Hawkins and defenseman Cameron Wynott were both three uh, third-round picks that year. Defenseman Cole Jordan was a fifth-round pick, and forward Jack Beck was a sixth-round pick. So Hawkins, Wynott, Jordan, and Beck will all re-enter the NHL draft for 2023. And 2019 fourth-rounder uh, Lucas, uh, Lucas Fook has been signed, and he's now in the uh he's now in the ufa pool so a fourth rounder from 2019 and the four picks from 2021 uh will all no longer be under flames control and there's been uh, there's definitely been a lot of um consternation and debate on social media about that even on our tax line there's two for me there's two ways to look at this and you have to look at them the both like there's not one or the other for me. There's two ways to look at it. They're both accurate. And I think they kind of run parallel to one another. First of all, yeah, this is a miss like the, the 20 to, to basically, I think it was four straight picks to lose yeah, the was. four picks in the middle of your draft. They still have the first two uh, in Coronado and Stromgren. So those were the first two picks of their draft, and they still have the last two. Lucas Siona's having a really nice year. He's playing uh, right now in Kamloops with Seattle. And Arseny Sergeyev, the goaltender, they still have those two guys, and they still have Coronado and Stromgren. But the four guys in the middle of the 2021 NHL draft uh, will no longer be part of the organization. So... To not sign four from the same draft, that's a miss. And 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 there's no other way to put it um, to two years on, have four of them exit the organization. Yeah, it's, that's, that's not an ideal situation, even knowing how difficult scouting was that year. Yeah, and I do think that part that you just mentioned is important to point out. So the 2021 draft was, I'm sure if you chat with a scout from any organization, they would tell you that was the most challenging draft yep. They've gone through the OHL did not play at all that season. There was very limited schedules in both the Q and the Western Hockey League cross border travel because of the pandemic to to go see prospects who might have been playing in the US or or in Sweden or Finland. Like it was a real challenge. A lot of video scouting. I don't really remember, but probably no combine, all sorts of stuff. So so that's still a challenge. virtual draft that year. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. so big challenge there. And yet, as you said, to to leave that, because every scouting staff faced the same challenge, to leave that and two years later look at four of your eight picks and say, No thanks. We're 
we're going to walk away. That is a really disappointing outcome for the Flames. I'm sure at their scouting meetings a week ago, that's something that was discussed was, hey, what can we learn from our missteps in 2021? And the other thing I would say, though, is if you don't see them fitting, then... That's the other part of it. Yeah, there's no sense... Pretending that you you see more value or more upside in a prospect that you don't. So so if Craig Conroy had his meetings and chatted with his development staff and decided, I don't think these are players that can help the Calgary Flames in the future, then it makes sense to let both sides go their separate ways. Yeah, It's just to have that happen on four consecutive picks, especially considering sort of the openings in that age range that the Flames have in their prospect pool. They only had three picks, period, last year. That's a really tough outcome, and it puts extra pressure on the scouting staff that you got to get it right this summer. Yeah, it's... it's To the to the second part of it, you, you kind of... As much as it is not ideal, and as much as you say, yeah, damn, we would that that's not what we would have wanted with four straight picks, you... I guess the first thing I'd say is that usually if you can get two NHLers from one draft class, you had a pretty successful draft. And we Coronado, we think, will be an NHLer. And we'll see with Stromgren. We'll see with Siona. We'll see with Sergeyev. But it looks like they're going to have one. And we'll see if there there's multiple that come from this, even with the four they've said goodbye to. But on top of that, there's no point in getting sucked in on the sunk cost fallacy, right? Like, if, if you you still have to be pragmatic. And you still have to look at things with a, an objective lens and be like, yeah, okay, maybe we missed there, but let's cut our losses now. Let's give these kids a clean slate. Let them re-enter the NHL draft. And it's a brand new general manager, right? Like it's a, it's a brand new GM. And so it's a fresh slate in a lot of ways for him. And, and, you know, as as much as Craig was involved in the drafting process in in his entire stint as a, as assistant general manager, these aren't like he was not the one with the final call, and he was not the one um, when Todd Button comes to the general manager and says we're down to these two for this pick. Well, the final call can sometimes go to the GM, and that right. wasn't Craig. So in this situation, you know, you're probably looking for a fresh slate too if you're Conroy. So yes. It's not ideal. And yes, that's a bit of a miss for the 2021 draft. And at the same time, it doesn't mean that they should have not moved on from these guys. For me, anyway, it's one of those two things can be true at the same time type conversation. Yeah. And all I'll add is here's an opportunity for Craig Conroy to flex what I think has been one of his strengths, and that's building relationships and really knowing the prospect pool at the college level. Now, Most of those college free agents from this season have signed, but I think now you've got a few contracts open. A few, these weren't contracts that were signed, but you've got a few spots that would have otherwise been filled by draft picks that are going to be open. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious who Craig Conroy might have in mind. And you're not going to know all these guys and you're not going to hear of all of them eventually, but there's spots in the organization there's opportunities for guys to join the Wranglers and eventually move their way up. And I'm curious how Craig Conroy fills those spots. Last point, and I think the really important point that you made, 
is that it really puts the onus on the 2023 draft. Has to. Deep draft and two years on from one that they have already said goodbye to half the draft class. They've got four guys that they still have hope for from 2021, but the other four no longer with the organization. So it definitely puts the pressure on what they do in Nashville in a few weeks time for the 2023 draft. Need to bounce back. Yep. Good way of putting it. Uh, Pat and Wes along with you as we continue along. And uh, a reminder, a week from Saturday, we'll uh, be doing a special show at Trail Appliances in the big trail spot down in Deerfoot Meadows. Barbecue season's here Saturday, June 10th. Join us for Grilling with the Flames alumni at Trail Appliances, 6880 11th Street Southeast. Come on down, meet and greet with some former Flames, a barbecue, and uh, proceeds from the barbecue going towards Brown Bagging for Calgary Kids. Uh, every entry, uh, every plate purchased is also an entry into a grand prize draw for a new barbecue valued at $2,200. Uh, you can also enter for that draw online. Uh, we'll be there from 11 to 1 o'clock on Saturday. All thanks to our friends at Trail Appliances. They're family-owned and operated for 48 years with barbecues in stock, including Canadian-made Napoleon. For more details, visit sportsnet.ca slash 960. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Flames Talk is live on Calgary's hockey station. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Wrap it up this hour by saying hello to our buddy Jonathan Davis from NHL Network and NHL Network Radio. He's our Pacific Division insider. And, uh, hey, we've got a Pacific Division team in the Stanley Cup Final. We've got lots to talk about leading into the Cup Final, which starts on Saturday. J.D., what's going on? You forgot to mention we got a former Pacific Division player in the Stanley Cup Final that could win the Cons tonight. That's a good point. Uh, I don't know who that is, though. But we... Yeah, we yeah. We're trying not to talk as much about that. Um, I know who you're referring to. Um, and we just try not to talk about Ryan Lomberg all that much. So, uh, I, You know that I understand. I totally get it. Um, hey, are you, uh, are you uh, heading to Vegas for either of the first two games? No. Okay. Actually, I, uh, I would love to, uh, but there is a thing. Uh, my, my mom is actually flying into town. Today and uh, you know in in Air Canada's uh, you know just being such a fantastic airline, you know it's the first time she's flying in like four years and her plane's been delayed for about three and a half hours. Oh okay, never heard. I've never heard yeah. that happen before. Post COVID, yeah, yeah. The no plane right. delays post COVID. Um, <laughs> how much? Uh, how how much are you looking forward to uh, this Cup final? Very much. I think it, it's going to be, I think it's going to be highly entertaining. I mean, I, you know, look, I think for, I, I'm more wondering what it's like, you know, on your side of the border, uh, because, you know, it's just, you know, we don't have a Canadian team in there. Um, you know, I, I know that, you know, Hockey Night in Canada is really trying to push the, the narrative of, you know, the guys from Canada, especially Manitoba. But uh, for me, look, I think we've got a, gr- a great final ahead, uh, you know, with, with Vegas and what they've done all year and, and with Florida and the run that they've been on. Uh, I'm waiting though, Pat, I I would love for ESPN to do like a 30 for 30 on what, what the collapse of the Pittsburgh Penguins and how it turned into the success of the Florida Panthers. I know it's uh, and, and you can, we all know we can boil it down to one game where Pittsburgh lost to Chicago. Yeah. 
I mean, it's remarkable, absolutely remarkable. I mean, and looking for you guys, you know, I think that, that must be the, you know, I'm sure that's part of the dilemma in Calgary is that, you know, you guys were one point better than the Florida Panthers. I know, I know, so, I know. Yeah, I know, I know it's a tough, you know, I, you know, but it's just, you know, it's where you're at and what conference you're at and, and all that. Um, but yeah, so to answer your, your question, yes, I'm very excited because I think there, there are a lot of, uh, you know, exciting storylines and, and I like the way both these teams play. Like I would have been less excited if Carolina beat Florida. Yeah, I, I I think there's there's more exciting names and more marketable names in Florida than there is Carolina. I, I agree with you on that front. So and even just exciting players, especially with Svechnikov out for Carolina. I think that there's a lot to that. I, I did want to talk a little bit about Vegas because this this journey yeah. has been interesting and, and the fact that here they are six years on from their first year in the NHL where they made the Stanley Cup final. They're back there this year, uh, or I guess five years on. Um, it's It's been quite a journey since the Jack Eichel trade in November 2021 mm-hmm. to here we are in June 2023 and Jack and the Golden Knights being back in the Stanley Cup final. Like There was a lot of talk about how that Eichel trade was a mess and it, it kind of sewered the organization and this team... Their window had closed, and yet here they are. It's it's back wide open, and they're playing for the Stanley Cup. It's been a great story, and you know, and and look, that was a, you know that's been a deal that has really benefited both teams because of you know from you go you know, just from the Buffalo perspective. I mean, the way Alex Tuck has fit in, you know, what it's done for Tage Thompson. He never would have been a center, you know, if Jack was still there. Um, but, you know, now you look at this Vegas team and what's been remarkable about them, you know, the five goalies that they've gone through this year, uh, they didn't have a 30-goal scorer this year. Uh, you know, when you take a look at this roster and from the first time that they were in the Stanley Cup back in 17-18, you know, they still got seven guys from that roster. You know, Pat, there aren't too many teams that can say they had more. I I went looking back, and I haven't done a complete deep dive, but – you know, I did about five or six teams that I thought would, would be potentially in the mix. And, like, you know, Colorado's got six. Boston's got eight since then. Um, so pretty remarkable that Vegas still has seven all the way back to that first year. And, and then I think I've talked about it on the show with you before. I mean, they've got 13 guys from 2019-20. That's more than, than most teams could even imagine. The Florida Panthers have three. Hmm. Which is crazy how much turnover the Panthers have gone through. Why is Yeah. Why has Bruce Cassidy been such a fit there, do you think, as as head coach of the Golden Knights? Um, because I, I, I you know, I think that um I think for whatever reason, you know, Bruce's Bruce's put together uh a, a general a basic philosophy that it doesn't matter who you are, you're gonna have to play hard or I'm gonna sit you. And obviously, you know, Phil Kessel would be, you know, there's front and center. I mean, his Ironman streak didn't, doesn't come to an end because this was in the, this is, you know, it stops in the playoffs. But, you know, I I think that when you, when you talk about the five goalies in Vegas, it didn't matter who was in net. They played the same type of system. And I think, you know, Hockey Night in Canada and Sportsnet have done a great job at trying to show you how, how tough it is, you know, to get to the net. And that's the way, and, and they don't change for, they haven't changed for Aiden Hill. Like, it's the same for Aiden Hill as it was for Boisois, the same for Logan Thompson, the same for Jonathan Quick, the same for Yuri Patera. 
it's it's the same. And so when you've got, you know, you've got these guys have all bought in. And the other thing, I mean, look, health, you know, outside of Mark Stone, you know, they've been healthy pretty much the entire year. You know, so that that's been a, a really big thing. But I, you know, I, I think that, what, you know, when you've got a guy like Jack who takes, you know, it's just it's taken the pressure off. I mean, think about where where this team is at, you know, with, with down the middle where, you know, William Carlson, you know, you know, just by the way, the lines seem to be put out are, you know, are, um, you know, he's your third line guy. And the other thing that Bruce did, I think it's been super effective in Vegas that other coaches didn't is that in, instead of taking your top six and making three lines, Bruce took his um, and two lines. I'm sorry. Bruce took his top six, put him into three pairs and then added a third guy. So that's why they're truly three lines deep because they they work in pairs. And so you've got Eichel and Marcheseau, you've got Stevenson and, um, and, and Mark Stone, you've got William Carlson and Riley Smith, and then it's to find a third guy to play right. with each one of those two. And that's, that's something different that Bruce has done considerably different than whether it was Pete DeBoer or Gerard Gallant, whatever it was. I think that's been one of the biggest factors for Vegas is, is splitting up his top six amongst three lines instead of two. And last point on the Golden Knights, and, and it's been something that you've been talking about for years now, J.D., and that is Bill Foley and, and how much he has basically told his management group that I want a cup. I, like, you're, you're bringing me a cup, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything. Like, you've got the keys, but it's cup or bust. And, and it's basically been that way since, their, since the end of their inaugural season. That's, that's been Bill Foley's mantra since basically year two in the NHL. Well, I think, you know, depending on who you talk to, I mean, I've heard that Bill Foley, you know, has told, you know, I think Marc-Andre Fleury, you know, we're going we're gonna to have a cup team. You know, we're going to win the cup. My goal is five years. I've heard other people say six. Uh, regardless, you know, here they are again for the second time. I, you know, the, the knock on Vegas has been the way that they have jettisoned, whether it was Gerard Gallant uh, or whether it was Marc-Andre Fleury. You know, people have been critical of the way that they've handled those situations. I don't hear those critics anymore when you're winning. Winning seems to change a lot. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, this team, while those moves were painful at the time, the team's better for it. I mean, they're, they're, they've got a better coach than, they, than they've had. They, you know, they've, they're better in goal. Marc-Andre Fleury, you know, we, you know, his numbers speak for themselves. Um, so, yeah, you may not like the way they do business at, at times, but the ultimate, if the ultimate goal is to win, and, and again, 13 players they've got since 2019-20 and seven from their, their expansion year. Like, did anyone expect, like, that roster, that expansion roster that, you know, no one, everyone was, no one ever thought would be as successful as it was in year one would really stick together for such, a, you know, for an extended period of time? Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. We're chatting with Jonathan the other thing I will. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I just, just, just one more thing. I don't know if you caught Pete DeBoer's uh, press conference following the elimination game. But I, I, I got to say that, you know, you know, obviously Pete, you know, was there last season and, you know, Jettison. But listening to DeBoer and how classy he was and after the game and just saying, you know, look, if I'm going to lose to anybody, 
I, you know, let it be the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, I know what a lot of those guys, like, he, you know, he, he talked about Stone and he talked about Eichel and what they've had to battle through. I thought it was really classy the way DeBoer handled things. And it says a lot about, about Pete DeBoer. Agreed. Not that I'm surprised. Agreed. But, it, it, yeah. So, jo- Jonathan Davis with us. He's our uh, Pacific Division insider. Joins us from NHL Network. Uh, and, and, well, let's get, just give me a thought on, on Dallas and, and DeBoer's stars. They get to the sixth game of a Western Conference final this year. They've been to two Western Conference finals in the last four seasons. But is, is this a team that the window is opening? Or is this a team where you see a window closing? Where, where do you see the stars right now? Well, I think it's a very, just a very impressive season. I mean, look, you, you make it to the final four. There's a lot to be said for it. I think that, you know, for them, I think one, you know, there are a couple of things that you need to look at. So I think you need to cut the, the workload of Jake Ottinger, you know, maybe get him down to maybe, you know, somewhere in the 50s as opposed to he played 62 games this year. Um, so I think, find, you know, whether it's Scott Wedgwood or somebody else, find someone to take the load off of Ottinger, especially if you're going to ride him like you do, you know, to hopefully the Stanley Cup final. I think that's one. They've got some, you know, they've got some decisions to deal with up front, but they've got, you know, look, uh, Jamie Benn had a very, obviously a disappointing conference final, but a really good season. And so, but you're seeing a turnover. I mean, there's, there's, whether it's Jason Robertson or Wyatt Johnston, you know, you've got, you know, guys like Delandria, you've got young talent there. I think that, you know, you've got, you've got some nice pieces on the blue line with, uh, Handley and Heiskanen, I I wouldn't be surprised, you know, like many teams probably would be, you know, one, does Dallas get rid, you know, do they buy out Ryan Suter? That wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't cost them a lot of money. I was trying to remember what the numbers were, but I think the first two years, you're definitely under a million, and then it creeps over just over a million for the final two years of the buyout. Like, I could see Dallas parting ways with him, and if they could find a way to get uh, Gavrikov, um, who LA had you know traded for with Columbus? I think that would be a great fit to play alongside Heiskanen. Uh, I think that may be some things that, that they do, but I, I like where they're at. I think Jim Neal has, has really positioned them this team quite well, and we'll see if uh, Joe Pavelski can continue this this torrid run at at 38 and and continue to find you know uh, you know age like that fine wine. Well, and let's uh, let's wrap it up by uh, going back to the Cup final, but finishing it off with uh, some betting and uh, perhaps look. JD, JD knows the uh, JD knows the numbers. Um, any any angles when you're when you're betting this series, Florida and Vegas? Any any angles that you're really interested in? Any numbers that really catch your eye when taking a look at this Golden Knights Panthers matchup? Yeah, a couple that I'll throw out here. I think that you know, for me, I think we're looking at at a six or seven game series. So. You know, you can get you can bet the series to go six or seven, not have to pick a winner, and I think you can get it at, at, at you know two to one odds. That's better than than picking either side mm-hmm. to win. So I think that that's one way to approach it. If you like Florida, then you then you should then I would be putting money on you know Sergey Bobrovsky or Matthew Kachuk to win the Conn Smythe because I you know I think that you know you and both of those guys you know I think are, are a little over two to one, and right now the series prices is plus 110 so you're getting a better price if you like vegas you know um you know you're looking at probably either marcia so uh carlson or eichel to win you know the con smite you're going to get better odds uh at betting one of those players than you are at vegas you know at about who's at about minus uh you know you pay like a dollar 30 to win a dollar so 
you know, that could be a, an approach. I think the series play for me would be the best. And then from an individual game basis, I, I would play the underdog in, in these games. And I would play, look, Florida's 8-1 and one on the road in the playoffs. The Golden Knights have lost at least one home game each series. So, you know, I would bet Florida in game one. If they win game one, take your money and, and, and then wait till, you know, the series shifts and then, then play Vegas in games three or four if they're the dog. Uh, if Florida was to lose game one, then I would double down in game two. Um, so I, I think there's, there's a lot of, a lot of better ways than just than, than playing, you know, to bet either team to win the series. There's more profitable ways out there. Like I just mentioned. Anything on uh, the con Smythe that really jumps out to you? Well, I mean, for me, you know, look, I, I, uh, yeah, I mean, look, Sergey Bobrovsky's at about plus 210 and Matthew Kachuk's at, at, at plus 250. Uh, so those are better odds than, than playing the Panthers to win the series. I mean, look, I'm sitting with Sergei Bobrovsky at seven to one and Matthew Kachuk at twenty to one, and I've got William Carlson at thirty-three to one. So uh, and Jack Eichel at nine to one. So those, like, I mean, those are things that I jumped on, well, you know, quite quite some time ago. But I, I, I would, you know, I would choose a guy, I would choose a Con Smythe player or two to bet on. I think you, you have a better chance to win money. I still think. If you want to make one, if you want to bet, like I still think the, the series going six or seven at plus 200, I would bet them both and you're going to win some money. Okay. Um, and I would stay away from Aiden Hill. Uh, I know his numbers are as good as Bobrovsky, but, and, and we're actually even slightly better. But the thing for me is, and Pat, you know, I'll ask you, I don't think Aiden Hill has had to really be the star, you know, like Bobrovsky has. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I think Bobrovsky has been has has stolen things far more yeah. regularly than a guy like Hill has. I think that's yeah. fair. Yeah, there's one thing I will say on that guy that you guys don't want to talk about. Yes, um, but he's been in on 42 percent of the Panthers' goals in the playoffs. That's absolutely remarkable. That that's that's Connor numbers. Those are Connor and Leon type numbers he's had a ridiculous year man it's uh it's yeah. been crazy to see what we've seen from matthew kachuk um well when we talk next week cup final will be underway we will do that again next week but enjoy the first couple of games my friend thanks for doing this as always jd all right all right you as well bud have a good week okay man jonathan davis from nhl network and nhl network radio he joined us on the atlas pizza and sports bar guest hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975 dine in at 6060 memorial drive northeast takeout or deliveries at 403-248-3344 as we start to wrap up this hour some good betting advice there from jd and vegas's path to the stanley cup final uh wrapping up this hour for cam hughes Taylor Dingman, our producers for Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg, and this hour has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to alike system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.